Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alhamdulillah. Salatu wassalamu ala rasulina wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa man wala. Nawayna ta'alimu wa ta'alimu wa ta'zakuru wa ta'zakiru wa nafa'u 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 wa يا حليم خلقنا بخلق حم وحققنا بحق علم سبحانك لا علم لنا إلا ما علمتنا إنك أنت العليم الحكيم صلى الله عليه وسلم على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم. We are on number ninety-five. So for anyone who is your first time attending this lesson, you might have to be patient a little bit. Inshallah, things will come together. Um, this book is called The Hikam of Ibn Atta'ala Secondary, Rahimahullah Ta'ala. It is the book of spiritual aphorisms of Sayyidi Ibn Atta'ala. And um, so each, we're on number 95, so that means that we've covered some ground previously. And uh, each, each wisdom is short but um, but has a lot of meaning to it and uh, so we'll just begin قال المصنف رحمه الله تعالى ونفع الله وياه بعلمه في الدارين آمين ربما فتح لك باب الطاعة وما فتح لك باب القبول وربما قضى عليك بذنب فكان سببا في الوصول اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد ربما فتح لك باب الطاعة وما فتح لك باب القبول وربما قضى عليك بالذنب فكان سببا في الوصول So he says maybe it is that he سبحانه opens for you the door of obedience but he does not open for you the door of acceptance and maybe it is that he uh, decrees upon you that you fall into a sin and that that sin becomes a reason for you to reach him okay I'll say it again maybe it is that he opens the door Subhana opens a door for you in obedience to do an act of obedience or worship but at the same time he does not open for you the door of acceptance Right, so what's the point? The point is that it's not just an issue of whether or not we do something outwardly that we're supposed to do. <coughs> but the important issue is the, um, the congruence of the outward and the inward. Such that the inward is uh, in, a state of in a state of obedience as well, in a state of submission, in a state of sincerity. And that then when we do that outward deed, it will be accepted by God. So he's saying maybe he opens the door for you to do an outward act of obedience, but maybe he didn't open the door for it to be accepted. And maybe it was decreed upon you that you would sin, you would make a mistake, you would have a them, you would make a mistake. And that mistake then becomes the means for you to be connected to him. Subhanahu wa ta'ala. <coughs> says in the commentary, Imam al-Shamnubi, rahimahullah ta'ala wa nafanullah bi, 
He says, أن الطاعة ربما قارنها آفات قادحة في الإخلاص فيها كالإعجاب بها واحتقار من لم يفعلها. So he says, فلا يفتح فلا يفتح لها باب القبول. So he says, for example, maybe it is that your act of worship is affiliated with or it's it accompany it's accompanied by some sort of defect. That uh, that annuls it. For example, like being really proud of oneself in the ajab. In the ajab, will be had. A person's really proud of themselves. You know, mashallah, I did this and I did this and I did this and I did this and I did that and I did this and I prayed this one and I prayed that one and I did this and I fasted and I gave the charity and I I built this one and I built that one and everything else. All of these eyes. Oftentimes become a sign that the person is very satisfied with himself. They're very happy with himself. And that is, um, there's a lack of gratitude in that. There's a lack of understanding of the reality of the person in that. So that's one possibility that could be negating for the act of worship. Another one is to um, look down upon one who didn't do it. This one's very common amongst people who do good deeds. So, you know, they do good deeds, but in doing the good deed, they look down upon everyone who doesn't. So they have this negativity towards everyone who doesn't do it, you know. And maybe they're not so, maybe they don't say, I'm so proud of myself because I prayed Aisha. But they look down on everyone who didn't come and pray Aisha. So now you lost your whole thing. You know, the whole thing is gone. So if that was what you were doing, it's not actually good for you. On the other hand, he says, maybe that sin that you did, it's accompanied by shiddatul nadam, wustasgar nafs, wuhusnunayatidhar ilallah. He says, maybe that mistake that you made, it has an immense amount of regret associated with it, and a, a, a humbling of oneself, and an, a turning and apologizing to Allah for the shortcoming. And if it has all of those things, then that's the, that's the means by which you come closer to Allah. So now you have someone who did something good, and it took them away from Allah. And you have someone else who did something bad, and it took them to Allah. So it's very important, you know, he's, he's making this... Uh, he continues on the same topic. Number 96. Which is the same, essentially, same... Uh, Trajectory. It says a sin, <coughs> a sin that gives birth to or gives way to humility and dependency upon Allah, a sin that gives way to humility and dependency upon Allah, is better than an act of worship that leads to one feeling self sufficient and arrogant. So the act of worship, sometimes a person feels self sufficient and arrogant. And on the other side of it, sometimes a person makes a mistake and they feel humble. That mistake that gives them the humility in front of Allah and a feeling of need for Allah is better than the good deed that makes them feel like they don't need it anymore. Okay? <coughs> it says, uh, there's, a, there's a nice story here of Abul Abbas al-Mursi rahimahullah ta'ala. He said, "Rubma dakhna alayhi al-muti'u fala ya'ba bi, wa rubma dakhna alayhi al-'asi fayukrimu." 
لِمُشَاهَرَتِهِ أَنَّ الطَّاعَةَ أَتَى وَهُوَ مُتَكَبِّرْ بِعَمَلِهِ نَاظُرٌ لِفَعْلِهِ وَالْعَاصِي دَخَلَ عَلَيْهِ بِذِلَّةٍ مُخَالَفَتِهِ مُشَاهَرَتِ مَعْصِيَتِهِ So he says that, and then he says, فَيَنْبَغِي أَنْ لَا يَنْظُرَ الْعَبْدُ إِلَى سُورِ الْأَشْيَاءِ بَلْ إِلَى حَقَائِقِهَا So he says, أَمْ لَعَبَاسَ الْمُرْسِي Sometimes a person would come to him who was doing acts of obedience and he wouldn't pay any attention to him. And someone also come to him who was sinning and he would honor him and he would take care of him and he would do all of these things. So because he noticed that the person who came to him who did good deeds, they came to him with arrogance. And the person who came to him having sinned came to him with humility and, and a feeling of, of witnessing their mistake and wanting to reform their situation and so on. And then he says, so the person, the, the servant of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala shouldn't be, shouldn't be uh, overcome by the outward images of things, but rather they should understand the inner reality of them. Right? The inner reality is, so maybe the outward image of the person is that they're, they're obedient worshiper. But their inner reality is that they're arrogant. And maybe the outward reality of the, of the person is that they're, they're they, they seem like they, they make mistakes and they commit sins and all of these kind of stuff but their inner reality is that they want Allah and they're humbled in front of Him so you know, we have to be, be careful of these kind of things most importantly we have to be careful of these kind of things for ourselves it's a very 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 common thing for people who ooh, is that an accident? We need a doctor. <laughs> so we have to be careful for ourselves, you know? of worship we're able to do it's a blessing from Allah it's a blessing from Allah we're in utter need of Him it says ni'matani ma kharaja mawjudun anhuma so now he shifts gears a little bit 97 he shifts gears a little bit ni'matani ma kharaja mawjudun anhuma wa la budda li kulli mukawwanin minhuma ni'matun ijadi wa ni'matun imdadi so this is one they always repeat in the books of Aqeedah they repeat this all the time. You hear them Shaykh say it all the time. This idea of ni'mat al-ijad wa ni'mat al-imdad. The blessing, two blessings, nobody will ever be separate from them. Two blessings, no, nothing in creation can ever be separated from them. The first one is the blessing of being brought into existence. And the second one is the blessing of being maintained in that existence. And ijad is to be brought into existence. You don't just come into existence because you felt like it. It's a blessing of Allah that anything came into existence. And then the second side of it is you don't remain in existence. This body, this system, all of this, how many things go into our life actually continuing. This ni'mat al-imdad. That Allah is continuously giving aid, giving power, 
sending his mercy upon the servants and the people right? continuously giving 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 and it doesn't it's not possible unless uh, it's, it's it's only from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so both of them are always happening you know so this is brought into existence and the person's existence continues right? and everything in existence every mukawwan subhana 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 glorified and exalted is he everything in existence the blessing that brought it into existence it's his blessing that keeps it existing at every single moment for every single thing in all of creation subhanahu wa ta'ala which is continuing the same point, right? Which is now though, he turns to the person. So the first one was general. Two blessings, nothing in creation can get away from them. The blessing of coming into existence, the blessing of being continued in existence. Then he, then he turns to the person who's listening. And he says, he bestowed his blessings upon you first by bringing you into existence. And second... By continuing your existence afterwards. So now it's turning directly to the person. The person has to listen. The person has to pay attention. <coughs> and then it also then leads the person to realize their own inherent incapacity. Right? Who am I? Who am I? I don't exist and I can't continue to exist if it's not for Allah. So I, I recognize my own dependency. My own dependency, my own faqr. One of the big themes of Ibn Atta'ala is the theme of recognizing one's dependency on Allah. Absolute dependency on Allah. Right? So then he continues that and he says, فَاقَتُكَ لَكَ ذَاتِيَةٌ so he says, your dependency is inherent. See, it's your inherent state. Your actual state is a state of utter dependence on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Utter need, utter dependence. And these things that happen to you during your life are just reminders of that actual state. So basically, you get sick, you're reminded. You get hurt, you're reminded. Small things, right? Now you go about your day, you realize you didn't drink enough water, next thing you know you have a headache, you can't do anything. You thought you could do everything, now all of a sudden you have a headache, you can't do anything. You hurt like your big toe, you can't walk anymore. <laughs> something something happens, you know, you get a little fingernail that gets ingrown or something, and then you have all these problems. So many small things happen to the human being, they remind them, oh wait, I thought I could do so much, I actually, my actual state of affairs is that I can't do anything. That's the actual state of affairs, that I can't do anything. <coughs> and uh, then he, he, he basically says that this is just realize who you are. This is who you are. And, and don't, don't think that like, you know, you're, you're ever escaping that absolute dependency and that absolute need on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because, you know, this whole thing of uh, the person's fine, the person's fine, and then all of a sudden they have a need. The verse in the Quran, he quotes the verse in the Quran in the commentary. So this person, what is the description of the person Allah gives? The description of the person is someone who, they're afflicted by a hardship. So they call out to Allah on their side, sitting, standing. 
So when Allah relieves them of this hardship, then they go back to they go back to the way they were as if they never called upon him in the first place. <laughs> you know, they're reminded of their need. And then when their need goes away, they go back to thinking that they, they forget that that need was not an exception. See, the, what do they think? They think, I'm normally okay. And the need that I had was the exception from the norm. He's saying, no, the need that you had wasn't the exception from the norm. The need that you had was a reminder of your actual need. So when it goes away, don't forget what you actually were. <laughs> what you actually were is just you're absolutely in need. Uh, don't uh, don't understand don't misinterpret in whose dominion is power right don't think that the power was actually yours because it went because you were afflicted and then it went away and now you're powerful again no it was Allah who gave all power and gave you complete sustenance such that you were the way that you were and then took it away just a little bit and you were afflicted by something and then he brought it back all of your dependency is on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. خَيْرُ أَوْقَاتِكَ وَقْتٌ تَشْهَدُ فِيهِ وَجُودَ فَاقَتَكَ وَتُرَدُ فِيهِ إِلَى وَجُودِ ذِلَّتَكَ He said the best of your times, the best of your moments, is a moment wherein you witness your utter dependency and you are returned to the recognition of your humbleness right? of your humbleness and your humility like your need how did they translate the end of this one? lowliness that's good it's, you're reminded of the reality of your lowliness so the best of times for you is the time when you recognize and you remember your utter need for Allah that's the best time you know, it's a really interesting thing, you know, that when you, when you read these books, and it's going to keep coming. Like he says in here, for example, I don't remember if we covered it or not yet. Uh, I think we did, when he talks about this idea of qabd and bust, of constriction and expansion, and how the people who know God they're actually more comfortable in states of constriction than they are in states of expansion. They prefer to feel kind of like closed in on a little bit because it reminds them of their relationship with Allah. Whereas the one who's having this like high, the spiritual high and they feel so good and everything else, they tend to get out of hand a little bit. They start to think that they're more than they are. They start to lose adab with Allah and all of these kind of things. So they prefer to be in the first one. We, we're switched now <laughs> You know We prefer like everything to be happy And everything else Because it's about us But if it's about Allah Then people will be comfortable in which, uh, you know. So he says the best of your times Is the time when you remember how dependent you are And sometimes that's the time It's not like the happiest time right But if you really if, if, if the, the, the key is to be humble In front of Allah so if you go through some difficulty, sometimes that difficulty is a reminder of how much I need Allah. It's in the times when everything's fine, we think that we're, you know, we end up like Qarun. They ask Qarun, they reminded him about everything that he has, and Qarun says, I was given it by knowledge that I have. So all this wealth I have is because of my knowledge. Isn't this lisan hal? This is like the internal tongue 
of many Muslims in America. And you talk to them about what they have and the gifts they have and the blessings they have and so on and so forth. Like, I did this. I did it. It was me. I worked really hard. I did everything I was supposed to do. And I got it. And Allah loves me because I got it. I <laughs> fear Allah. It's so scary. <laughs> it's so scary. People think like this. SubhanAllah. Allah protect us. He says, the best of your times is the time when you recognize your dependency upon Him. And your, and, your, and your return to your state of lowliness in front of Him. Yeah. I'm your servant, Allah. You're my Lord. I'm your servant. You're my Lord. Everything else is irrelevant. <coughs> then he quotes these lines of poetry. He says, بَنَ اللَّهُ لِلْأَحْبَابِ بَيْتًا سَمَاؤُهُ هُمُومًا وَأَحْسَانٌ وَحِيطَانُهُ وَالضُرْبُ وَأَدْخَلُهُمْ فِيهِ وَأَغْلَقَ بَابَهُ وَقَالَ لَهُمْ مِفْتَاحُ بَابِكُمُ الصَّبْرُ He said, Allah has, created, has built a house for the lovers. The roof of it is, is worries and sadness. And its walls are difficulties. So he put the servant into the home and he told them, and he, and he locked the door, and he said the key to this door is to have patience. These things that you go through, you have to have patience. This is what it's going to be. This is the house that you live in. You live in a house with all kinds of things. Have patience. Oof. This is another one that's just so heavy duty. It's so beautiful. It's like it's so hard to translate. It's so beautiful. He says, he says, uh, uh, what was this? Well, the hikmah itself, Meta aw hashaka min khanfika fa'alam annahu yuridu an yaftaha laka bab al-unsi bi. This is Ibn Ata'ala. The commentary is Imam al-Sharnubi, al-Azhari. Rahimahullah. So he says, uh, basically what he's trying to say is when he, when Allah creates a distance between you and the creation by making it such that your heart is no longer inclined to be so concerned about whether or not they like you essentially you know the heart generally the heart is always worried about the people it says when Allah takes your heart and removes from it this connection from the people Right, worrying about them and what they think and all of these kind of things. When he takes you and he removes you like that, know, know that he wants to open the door for you to be in intimate union with him. Subhanallah. So he creates this situation, you know. He gives you this loneliness in a sense. But it's it's a positive loneliness. It's a loneliness away from the creation. Such that you're brought only into union with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And, and uh, know that when He opens that door for you, then He wants you to be from His beloved. And He wants to be in intimate discourse with you. 
and don't worry about anything else, just worry about his pleasure. You experience that? Just worry about his pleasure, forget everything else, you know? This is one of those paradoxes. You know, we talked about in the khutbah the idea of paradoxes, and there's many paradoxes in, 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 uh, in Islamic spirituality in particular that are very, very important to try to grasp. So this one, for example, will tell you that basically it's okay to be alone. Because when you're alone, you're not alone. You're with Allah. And when you're with Allah, you become beloved to Allah. And that's the only thing you should worry about. You shouldn't worry about anything else. And then, but then what happens when you do that? Is that the people love you. So in a sense, you have to turn away from the love of the people in order to attain the love of the people. <laughs> in order to attain it, you have to turn away from it. Yeah. And this is like, even in secular life, this is so true, right? That like, <laughs> person who's always trying, and this is the Prophet ﷺ, some of the qawaid that the Prophet ﷺ gave us, they're universal. Some of his rules that he gave us, they're, they're widely applicable. You know? He says, Izhad fi dunya yuhibbakullah, izhad fi ma aidin nas yuhibbakan nas. That stay away from the dunya, Allah will love you. Stay away from what's in the hands of the people, the people will love you. It's not, you don't want anything from them, now they care for you. <laughs> it's not, so what I'm trying to say in this is that this, this hikmah is not saying that you should be antisocial or something like that. It's, it's saying that you put everything in the right place and everything will be in the right place. And if, and if Allah puts you in some sort of situation where you have some, some, uh, some seclusion from the people and some time away from the people, or whatever it might be, don't worry about it too much. Because maybe he's doing, you have that situation so that you can be alone with him. If you can be alone with him, then who cares about all these other things? He wants to make you from his ahbal. <coughs> this is a good one to do right before salat. Then we'll break for salat, inshallah. We can make niyyah to apply it. <coughs> متى أطلق لسانك بالطلب فعلم أنه يريد أن يعطيك. He says when when Allah leaves your tongue to call upon Him. Right? Allah Allah controls everything. When Allah lets your tongue call upon Him. He leaves your tongue alone to call upon Him. Then know that it's because He wants to give you. If He lets you move that tongue, know that He wants to give you. <laughs> That's it. Just don't have any doubt. You know. <coughs> One of the people they said in a, in a line of poetry, talking to Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala, <coughs> they said, "Lo lam turid nayla ma arjuhu min talabin min faydi judika ma alhamtani talaba." They spoke to Allah in the line of poetry, you know, calling upon Him. And they said, if you did not want for me to attain that which I was hoping for, out of the, out of the, the waves and, and, and mass of your generosity, then you would not have inspired me to ask for it. Yeah. If, if Allah, out of your magnanimity and your gifts and your mercy and everything else, if you didn't wish to give me what I was asking for, you wouldn't have let me ask for it. So this is... Uh, 
And the Prophet ﷺ said in a hadith uh, of, uh, you know, he mentions it here, Allahu Alam, the authenticity, it's not mentioned in the bottom, but it says, Min The one who's given, they're given dua, they won't be denied its answer. The one who's been given dua, they won't be denied its answer. <coughs> And he says, وَعْلَمْ أَنَّ الْإِجَابَةَ تَارَةً تَكُونُ بِعَيْنَ الْمَطْلُوبَ تَارَةً تَكُونُ بِغَيْرِهِ عَاجِلًا أو آجِلًا He says, sometimes know that sometimes the response to the dua is in what you asked for. And sometimes it's in something else, immediately or postponed. But you're going to get it. Just know. You're going to get it, but it might not be exactly what you're looking for. Then he quotes the verse, وَرَبُّكَ يَخْلُقُ مَا يَشَاءُ وَيَخْتَارْ مَا كَانَ لَهُ مِنْ your Lord creates what He wills and He chooses. And you don't have a choice in it. This is the verse. They don't have a choice in it. They don't have a choice in it. Allah creates what He wills and what He chooses and they don't have a choice in it. But He'll give you. He lets you ask, He'll give you what you... He'll give you your dua, but He'll give it to you in the way that He wants to. Right? As we always say, Allah is not a giant Santa Claus. We don't believe this in our aqidah. That you just... You know, you get on the good boy list and you ask for whatever you want and you get it. It doesn't work like that. Allah is Allah. We worship Him. We ask of Him. He told us to ask of Him. He gives us what He wills and we turn it over to Him. That's all there is to it. You know? So, yeah, we have this sometimes too in our community. This, this idea that like, we have to be very careful. Don't tell your kids that, by the way. Don't raise your kids telling them, do whatever Allah tells you to do. You'll get whatever you want. No, you won't. You do whatever Allah tells you to do, Allah will give you whatever He wants. This is a really bad thing sometimes people tell their kids because it messes them up. Because then they keep doing what they're supposed to do, doing what they're supposed to do, doing what they're supposed to do, and then they don't get, and they say, Oh, Allah didn't answer my dua, the whole thing, they get rid of the whole thing. And they worship Allah because He's Allah. And we submit to Allah because He's Allah. And He gives what He wishes to give, subhanahu wa ta'ala. Wa sallallahu wa sallam ala Sayyidina Muhammad. That's number 102. So we'll continue afterwards for a little bit. <coughs>